0: Love Talk Radio. Hey, 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 what's up everybody? It's your girl Nia with One Purpose Magazine. I just was singing so I thought I could just start off by busting a note. <laughs> I was singing to the camera. I uh, also record the show so that uh I know on Blog Talk Radio, you can't see video. You only hear audio. But I also do a recording that I put on YouTube. So I'm interacting in different ways here. I hope everybody is fine. Once again, my name is Mia. I am the editor and owner of One Purpose Magazine. And I do a weekly show here on Blog Talk Radio and on YouTube. I do clips. Um, here we go with the um. And I do the show weekly out of Chicago, and this week, you know, we have a discussion related to Chi-Town, my my home city. I live in the suburbs now, thanks to my mom, but I am from Chicago. If you listen to this show regularly or if you've dropped in in before, I like to frequently say that I am in the city by the trains, so my ambiance is always the Chicago sound of L's passing through, sirens going by. That's just how the city is. If you're from a metropolitan area, then you understand and you get it. (laughs) That's what we deal with. So right now, uh, I usually start the show with a One Purpose magazine update to let you all know what's happening with the publication. Everything is everything. It is what it is. I don't don't want to... um, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse with what I have going on every week. Y'all know where I'm at. That's at OnePurposeMagazine.com. That's where I be. That's where I'm always at. Go ahead and check it out. See what you like. See what you don't like. And Let me know what you think. And uh, we'll keep it moving from there. Oh, no. One thing is that I do have some merchandise on sale. So um, it's through Teespring because I just don't have the time to create my own right now. So I did it through Teespring. It is merchandise available, T-shirts and mugs. If you want to support the brand, if you want to support the cause, if you want to help a sister out and uh, help me get some funding for my projects that I have going on, for the magazine that's up and coming, you can purchase merch, purchase merchandise. So that's the only update I have for you today, for the magazine. I I have to start, though. I usually start, I think, do I usually start? I usually start with the update and I move into the self-love message. So, there's a, uh, <laughs> there is a conversation happening right now with Miss Jada. We talked about her when I first started redoing my show, right? Um, she had a, she's was she, started, she relaunched or rebooted her Red Table Talk, and she's come up a couple times. I think she reached out for uh, Gail to be on her show or something like that. I don't remember. It was something along those lines. My memory just isn't the best. But, yeah, so you all know what I'm talking about. Miss Jada, got some stuff going on with this young man. Y'all want to talk about it? Let me just intertwine that into my self-love message because I just didn't see it the way everybody else saw it. We got Miss Jada and Mr. Austin, August. Well, I want to call him Austin, but his name is August. I I guess he's an entertainer, and Jada's Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. We all know who she is. Apparently this young man is – saying that he had a relationship with her. Now, see, my problem is this. I'm really bad with gossip. I do not care for gossip in no way, shape, or form. So I would never come on my show delivering a message that is surrounded by gossip. I don't know. I don't believe. I don't, I'm not going to say I believe one way or another. I don't know what's going on in this situation. I don't even care to be honest with you. However, when I was listening to the young man speak, uh, I think it's on her YouTube channel, I was really intrigued by what he had to say, not because I thought it was gossip, but I thought he was doing something that I come on this show and ask brothers to do, people to do, all the time. I guess he did, he put out a documentary and He was laying out his issues, laying out his pain, bringing people into his world to help understand him because apparently he's a peculiar character in the industry. And he was on this show laying out his heart, talking about how he deal with things and how he struggled with dealing with feelings and love and things like that because of his, um, you know, he felt like he was deprived or had a love deficit. I'm like, I was listening to him and I was just like, really? I was so thankful for this young man. I really commended his courage and his strength to come out and say a lot of the things that he was saying. I was very impressed. And so that's why I was like, I need to tie this into my love message because I talk about this stuff all the time. And, you know, I'm not one to sit up and gossip about anybody, but when I see something that I think could be beneficial for our culture and our community and our people, I like to talk about it. And I thought that him laying out his truths in the way that he did was very commendable. And I urge black men to take a look at that and see how vulnerable he was being in that moment and how honest he was being. And it really helped me realize, I I do see Jada as a lover. I see her as a nurturer, and I do believe that sometimes, now I'm not saying that this is the case, but I do know that sometimes people who have love deficiency, who have not been loved properly, especially if they didn't have the love and nurture from their mothers, they can misinterpret a relationship for being romantic or being something that it is not intended to be. And so just the fact that he was able to expose his feelings about how he felt about her and how she made him feel in all honesty and how he had to break away from that relationship and how it tore him down to have to do that. I'm sure that he's still journeying through those feelings and understanding what was going on. And I can't wait to hear her input because I'm sure that she would, she will lay it out for us in a way to help us understand what her intentions were. But I was very impressed with that young man. And I thought that he gave us a gift. I think that he really blessed us in a way to be able to see how someone can evaluate their experiences and evaluate the things that they've been through and not be completely healed and understand that you're just going through your journey he also explained how he had some issues with his mother and with molestation growing up. And he was, he had been honest about that in his documentary. And so I was just like, this is an example of the work that we have to start doing. And I was just so happy to see that. And I know it was painful for him. He was in moments he was shaken and, you know, you can tell he had a little bit of reluctance in talking about some of the issues that he had brought up, but I was very impressed and very thankful for him sharing his story and a portion of his life that we don't deserve, but he decided to share it with us anyway. And I am very... Uh, and so I say, if you could check out that interview, check it out on YouTube. It's on Angela Yee's from The Breakfast Club. Uh, she was, I guess... Um, I don't know how Charlemagne's show is recorded, and I don't even know. I can't honestly say that I know it is an ongoing show. I'm not sure. Maybe I, I don't know. I guess it is. But she has, I guess, her own YouTube show. But you can you can put up Jada in August, and <laughs> it'll come up because it's everywhere. If it, if you're doing it in currently or now, you know, in time it'll fade away. But I, I'd say suggest I suggest taking a look at it to just get an idea, and maybe take a look at his documentary as well, and, and just to get an idea of what it looks like to do your work, that young man is doing his work. As crazy as some of the things that may sound, sometimes for our healing we have to go through some crazy stuff. I know I had to, okay? <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I, wrote a book about, I wrote a book about my stuff too. So, you know, my business will be out there before you know it. And everybody would be like, oh, okay. Not in a juicy, messy kind of way. I would never do that to myself. But, you know, just to show that we all go through. We all go through. So, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and move on to. So, our culture topic and the main topic, I'm going to tie together. I usually go into talking about something that's impacting our culture. And it is what I'm about to talk about, which is Chicago and the violence that we've experienced. We are on the back end of uh, a ho- ho- horrible couple couple of weeks. And I have a, a YouTube clip that I want to play. I, I think that the clip will help me segue into what I want to talk about. And it is from WGN, and it's covering Chicago. So hopefully you can hear it. Okay, I can't get it to play. I can't get... Oh, here it is. It's loading. I'm sorry. stop When are we going to say enough is A 20-month-old boy shot and killed while riding his mother's car. He's the latest victim of gun violence in Chicago. Good evening, everyone. I'm Jackie Bannon. And I'm Gaynor Hall. In tonight for Taman Bradley. Let's get right to WG... in Megan Dwyer. For the very Megan Dwyer. Gainer and Jackie, another violent Saturday in Chicago. Uh, Mom and her son were actually on their way to the laundromat when there was a drive-by shooting around 2 o'clock today. Someone opened fire on their car. I just want to sit on the side of the curb and shake my head and cry. Pastor Donovan Price says he held the boy's parents today while they sobbed. This world is becoming the kind of world that you really almost don't want your child in. Around 2 this afternoon, the 22-year-old mom was driving south on Halstead to the laundromat when a car pulled up alongside her at 63rd Parkway and opened fire. Her 20-month-old son was behind her in his car seat. No doubt we'll catch the person who did it. Um, but that's not gonna bring that kid back. A bullet in his chest. The boy was pronounced dead at Saint Bernard Hospital. His mother suffered a grave wound to her head. Police say seven to eight bullets hit the car. I don't think it was them because of the amount of uh, times it was fired upon. Just last weekend, a three-year-old boy was shot and killed in a car in South Austin. All right. So I was able to play that clip and, you know, you get the gist of it. So this is, and the story was going on to say and share how there was a three-year-old boy killed the week before. Just a couple of days ago, there was a three-year-old girl who was shot in the chest and was in uh, surgery at Comer's Children's Hospital. And what I want to say is this, my long-term plan or well, my long-term goal is to motivate and empower young journalists through advancing their media ideas and innovation in innovative ways in journalism. My platform is established and ready to do that work. But I have to put that on the back burner because we have to weed out the lost ones, the ones that are doing the shooting and the killing of innocent people, the ones who have been hard to reach we have to get to them very young. Once they've decided they're going to be a killer, they are going to be as relentless as those protesters that are in a good fight. We have to turn them in. Yes. Not only that though, once they are in custody, we have to allow them to help us understand where in the process we go wrong. I understand that not all criminals, that, 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 um, that that's not all criminals. What I mean by that is that I understand that you're not going to be able to put all criminals through a program where you understand the psychology behind what it is that they go through to get them through, get them to the point where they are, uh, their anger turns and turns deadly so so quick. You know, some people are just what they are, and I believe that. But um, I I also believe for many, if intervention years ago could have happened, many lives would have been saved. So in bringing forth this conversation, I I like to do things that's kind of solution-oriented. And I like to talk about ideas to help bring some solutions to the issues that we're having. And I, I, I come here. I have been working in, my, in communities since I left in 2010. I discovered on my own, with my own eyes, that we are fighting a pipeline to prison in the school systems. I learned that through experience. I I learned how detached many black people are from the community and doing the work. I mean, I've been out here for years. I, I know who's out there doing the work and I know who is out there blowing gas. I've been it's been years for me. I I say I've had an interest in working in violence prevention for ten years. Um uh, no since two thousand eight. So how many years is that? <laughs> two thousand eight more than ten years. Y'all do the math. I ain't in the mood. Twelve years. <laughs> but anyway, I um so I say all that to say that nothing I say is 100% new to me. So I try to look at things from a prevention perspective. And I totally disagree with the perspective that a lot of people are are having right now with more policing. Uh, I do not think that more policing will resolve the issue. I actually think it puts the community and the officers in a compromising situation if more police are put in areas where there is already an environment of hostility then i believe you're setting both up for more police brutality and possibly killings especially especially if these officers are not from the community and i'm not saying that that works 100% so don't get me wrong but if they, are, if they don't have a compassion for the people in the community, if they have not, if they don't have empathy, if they don't understand what urban cities go through, if they don't understand how, what, what has happened with the dynamic of the black family, you know, all those things play a part. So I think that if you're just training cops and put, as, as, as they're being trained and putting them in hostile situations, you know it is what it is you know it we will see more of the same and business as usual so i look at things from a, a slightly different perspective and i'm not saying my perspective is right but it's a perspective you know and i look at um i look at how okay so this is how i see things So let's say that these young men are on the streets and a lot of people are saying this is the perspective. So fatherhood absence plays a part in many of the communities that experience high rates of gun violence. Okay, I get that. I I hear you. I'm with you. So the male figures that are available to model manhood for those young children in these areas are who? who do we want to put more of out there? Police officers. So if we're going to use that theory, if we're going to use that theory that police officers are the role models or police officers are in the communities and these boys are missing role models, let, let's look at it from this perspective. You know, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I'm no psychologist, but like I said, I've, I've been watching for years so if the only role models that are being put in these communities are looking at these boys as the enemy, are looking at, and they start young, you know, it's just it's not nothing new. Let's say, you know, they they get involved in, in gangs and drugs at ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old. So a lot of these officers, policemen, they see these young boys grow up, and they see them go from just being a fatherless child to being in this on the street, right? So let's just put this in perspective. If you know that these young men do not have father figures in their lives, if you know that something that will help bring an end to this violence is these young men having positive role models in their lives. But you send police officers into the streets and look at these young boys as a threat and as the enemy, and you're at war with them. If the only thing I'm looking at, if I need something, if I'm missing something, and the only thing that I'm looking at is telling me, now I need this. I need this father figure in my life, but I'm looking at it and it's telling me that I'm the enemy. I'm at war with you. And and if it comes down to it, if it comes down to it, if it's me and you, I'm taking you out because you're a threat and I'm going home to my family. If that is what a young boy has to look at, if he don't have a role model, if he doesn't have a father figure in his life, what does that tell you might? It's a possibility if you change that perspective that you might have a solution, a solution, not the complete solution, but a portion of the solution. You might have a solution, a portion of the solution to your problem, right? Is that a complicated way to look at it? Is that, is that too much to ask? So, you know, I just put I just propose that when you sign up to go and you police in these communities, <laughs> congratulations. You're the father. You have taken on a role to be a role model in these young boys' lives. Unfortunately, they don't have their fathers in their lives. Unfortunately, they don't have many people that they can look up to as a father figure in their, their lives. It's unfortunate. It's sad. But when you plant yourself in these communities, and it may seem, you know, like, what is she talking about? Really, the police officers being a father figure to young boys, to fatherless boys, to fatherless children, to fatherless girls. And I'm sorry, I'm just focusing on the gun violence and homicide perspective. But, I mean, it can work across the board with with girls, too. But right now we have an issue with homicides happening by young black men killing other young black men. So my perspective is this. If the police officers were to look at their role as being a role model, father figure to the young guys in the community, would that change? Don't you think that would change how these young boys see themselves? Don't you think that that would restore some value in in who these boys are? The only man that they have according to what, what what is constantly said. The only man that they look up to teaches them to hate themselves. The one that brought them into this world may have to some extent abandoned them, maybe dead, maybe in jail, whatever the story may be. But the one male figure, black whatever, white whatever, but the one male figure or the few male figures that they have to look at every day is willing to gun them down, chase them down, lock them up, put them in prison, put them in jail, send them through the juvenile system, don't you think that that tears away at a person? Don't you think that that degrades a person and devalues who they are? So if we shift that, if we turn that around, I think that that will help and help give these young people some hope, something to look forward to. I think it'll create more peace in our communities. And I'm not saying that it's it something that can happen overnight because you also, you're dealing with the heart of grown people because they're already, their minds are fixed on what they go out to do every day when they police. You know, their minds are fixed on what it is that their, their job is. But if we start encouraging that, like, man, you're a father figure. You know, you, you, you're a role model to these young boys. You can't teach them to hate themselves. You can't teach them that it's okay to, if, 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 if there's, because if, one thing my pastor told me is that the police officers are not trained to maim, not even trained to maim. They are trained to kill. And I was listening to a young man on TV today, on, on social media today, and he was saying by the time the cops show up, you are you already going to be faced with an issue of, of a threat, going to jail, being shot, whatever, whatever the situation may be. So my thing is this, regardless of what we've been through, none of it has worked. None of it has worked. And I know that defund the police, the, the defund the police, the phrase is despised by a lot of people. I kind of understand it from a different perspective. You know, I just, I, there are some things that I think the police should not be doing that um, funding goes, that funding go towards that I think could be shifted to go into the community. But um. I do think the better training is needed to the, for the police that's out there. I do think more police officers that are from these communities need to be hired and put back into these communities. I think that kind of stuff will help. But if the police officers were to take on that, that ideology, like, man, I may be the only man that this young dude cross. I may be the only man, so I can't devalue him, even if even if he's a threat to me. Even if he's a threat. He's a threat because... He might be scared, you know, he might. So I try to look at, I try to look at things, and I'm running out of time now, but I try to look at things from multiple perspectives. And then when I look at things from multiple perspectives, I try to look at the person who's losing in the situation. So when you have the the criminal (laughs) or the perpetrator uh, with the gun and you have the police officer, At the end of the day, I don't know what the, what we call perpetrator or, quote, unquote, or the lost child. I don't know what that person, that boy, that young man, I don't know what he's going home to. Most of the time, if you're a police officer, you're going home to your family. You're going home to love. You're going home to a place where you can restore. As hard as your job is, I get it. But I don't know what these young boys go through what their lives are like. But one thing that I do know and understand and feel from the in, like to my core is that we cannot look at them as animals that can just be thrown away and just shrug our shoulders and move on with our lives. Like, whew, I made it through, I made it out of that. He didn't take me out. You know, we have to, and, and I know what they do to their community, to children, I know it's it's inhumane and disgusting and bad and horrible i know I know i I hear it, I get it, I feel it most of all, I feel it. you know it it hurts to just know that babies are being buried, but you know it also hurts me to know that the perpetrators, the ones who 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 pulled the trigger it hurts me to know that their life was taken long before. Long before, probably as a child. They're numb. They're numb. They are numb. And you you know what? They probably can't be restored. There's probably no restoration. But when we get them in custody, we have to be able to use them to understand where we went wrong so that we can start saving more of these young people. We have to. Like, we're all called to do this, to do this work in some way, shape, or form. So just look at it that, at that from that perspective. And uh, thank you. Thank you all for continuing to listen to me. I'm grateful for the time and the people that tune in. I didn't even check to see if anybody was chatting, but I'm 22, 22 see if I had anybody in there chatting with me. But that is, that's a, a wrap for me. You know, just think about it from that perspective. If you have a perspective on that, if you have a thought, email me. Have a blessed one. Bye-bye.